This is 69 Projects. I'm Michael Tutton. I'm insatiably curious and excited about finding great work done in digital signage and visual communications. This podcast is designed to dig into some of those projects, find out what they're all about and how they came together. That might be a big experiential job, a massive video wall, projection mapping, or a cool one-to-one interactive project. Each episode, I'll get into the thinking behind a project and how it came together by talking to the people responsible. Just like the Mothership Podcast 16.9, this one's available online, or you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or using your favorite podcast listening app. I'm grateful to our sole podcast sponsor, Mahler Digital Signage. That's right, 16.9 Projects is sponsored by Mahler Digital Signage. Put your digital signage network in expert hands. While shopping at Chicago's magnificent Mile Mall, patrons can look to the ceiling and see a 190-foot-long canopy of trees. Or, if they look at another moment, they may see a kaleidoscope of colors or a flock of local birds. That's because the skylight is actually a high-definition LED canvas with content created at 16K resolution. And while the centerpiece of the installation is the magnificent ceiling, visible from all seven floors of the atrium, the entire mall experience has been informed with digital signage. I spoke with ESI Design's Director of Media Architecture, Greg Gallimore, via Skype about how they updated this 30-year-old high-end shopping destination by creating a unique atmosphere with thinking that was detailed enough to include the cedar waxwing, a bird local to the Chicago area. Thanks for joining me today. If we could maybe start with you describing the project for us, please. Sure. The project at uh, 900 North Michigan Shops was uh, an exciting media project that allowed ESI to really flex our design muscle to excite and invigorate a, an impressive mall in Chicago with a very large-scale media installation. The, the main show, the main part of the experience, was creating a nearly 200-foot-long media canvas on the ceiling of a six-story atrium of a mall space. And we also supplemented that with graphics on the exterior of the building and a new entry portal that allowed us to showcase the retailers' names in the front. Uh, So the whole thing was about communicating to the public, to visitors of the mall, what are the stores and how can I make this an exciting experience? Was this a pre-existing architecture or building or is this a new building? Yeah, this was an existing building. It was a 30-year-old mall that had seen better days. It's it's still a pretty sought-after mall. High-end retailers are there, but it, it needed a refresh. It needed some new elements to make it competitive in the marketplace in an area that has several well-known malls around it and wanted to be attracting a wider set of audience. There's an established audience that would go there for the last 30 years, um, but they wanted to attract a newer, younger, more disposable income demographic to really invigorate the space and make it relevant along the the North Michigan uh, corridor. And so at what point were you brought into the project? Was this like an early stage that you were brought in or much later? It's a pretty early stage. We typically either go in right before or right after an architect gets engaged in a product, project like this where they're looking to reposition a building or a mall in this case. And the original architect had done a couple, one round of, of concepts and came up with some addition, initial ideas that were about repositioning the food court and coming up with different ways of conveyance through the building, but not really fully looking at the overall experience, which is where they had actually seen uh, one of our designers give a talk 
uh, at a expo in Chicago, and they said, "Hey, these people might." actually have that special ingredient that we're missing to really create this a dynamic experience um, to produce, you know, uh, what has never been seen before in malls, especially in this area. So they, they, they got a hold of us and we kind of flowed into the process right towards the end of the architect's concept. And we picked it up from there, developed our concept of the experiential branded moments and dynamic media. That then kind of played out and took about a year from start to finish. We'll get to the technology and what's driving everything in a moment, but could you maybe talk about uh, the content strategy and, and why all of this is in place? Sure. Oftentimes, clients are looking to us to come up with solutions to certain problems that they're having within a particular space, whether that be a retail mall like JMB's project or a commercial setting. So what we looked at was how do we solve the issue of increasing dwell time for customers, getting them to stay in the mall longer, to look around, to really imagine um, what they want to be purchasing and make them do other spontaneous purchases. And by creating a media experience that captured their imagination, that made them want to look up and see what was coming next, anticipate change in the mall, really helps slow people down and want to be in the environment longer. That's really one of the key aspects uh, of the project and how that relates to the media strategy of creating a suite of media experiences that are part environmental and ambient media, things that are just imaginary or help create a different spatial awareness of the space or very informational, uh, providing branded moments both for the mall and the retailers within it. So some of the ways that we accomplish those goals are by creating media that was treetops. So this installation that is on the ceiling takes up 10 20 by 20 foot bays in the ceiling. So it's a real continuous canvas that's 200 feet long, 20 foot wide. And by creating portals above, it was almost like putting windows in the space. We could have trees uh, in different seasons appearing, also birds flocking and, and different artistic elements like a kaleidoscopic media moment where you can see different shapes and, and patterns emerging, but all in motion and, and looking very intriguing. So by, by those environmental impacts, we've, we've created a, an environment that is interesting, appealing, and um, gets people to kind of sit there and anticipate what's next. On the flip side of that, we had branded experiences that were also really um, well-designed and well-implemented that took, say, products and created a kaleidoscopic motion uh, that really developed a series of 10 jewel boxes that different products could be displayed in the ceiling. So a retailer could say, okay, we want to profile handbags this month, and they could get a series of handbags placed up in the ceiling that danced around and did amazing things and looked really cool. So it was branding for retailers, branding for the mall, and imagined experiences that really provided a different uh, feeling to the retail uh, engagement. Is there paid content on there, or is all the content provided by the landlord? 
Uh, there's opportunities for paid content. The branded movement that I was mentioning for the retailers where they could actually showcase products on the ceiling uh, is a paid experience that uh, allows different mall retailers the opportunity to, to profile themselves, get additional time on the sign. There is a directory moment where all of the retails get uh, displayed, but then they can um, pay an additional fee to be showcased with this kind of kaleidoscopic mode that profiles products and uh, their their identity and um, tells what floor they're on. And is that a like a, a preset where where they kind of upload an image and it and it happens all at once, or is it like uh, content that's being generated specifically for them? It well, it's it's kind of both. It's it's definitely generated real time, but they would provide. Uh, images of the products they want to profile within set parameters that we've developed. And then the the operator of the mall can in, take those images, set them into the system, and then the system automatically generates and shows them on the screen. If you sat there and watched, for lack of a better term, the full loop, what uh, is the content mix like? What What percent is pure ambient, you know, trees and birds and kaleidoscope stuff versus content and, and branding? It's it's pretty mixed. It's a I would say it's a fifty fifty split between them. And then what's happening? You know, obviously the the focal point is the ceiling, which looks spectacular from the photos I've seen. But what else is happening around the building? Uh, well, the other elements, as I mentioned earlier, are about the the graphics that we implemented that really reinforce the overall vision of the project. Uh, that really start to highlight retailers to bring them out from. Uh, their storefronts and engage them in the space. We've created illuminated bands along each floor that showcases the name of the retailer that's set back behind uh, where that sign sits so that when you walk into the space and look up in the atrium, it becomes kind of a living directory. You don't need to go to a small map. You can kind of look up and identify with where every retailer is located, which uh, to us was a big win to be able to have the opportunity to do that where most of the retailers are seen in one moment. Also, by redesigning and developing a new entry portal to the building, we also had the same experience. We got to first make an exciting, bold move on the street front that really catches people's attention, whether you're driving by or walking by uh, the place that really signaled change at the building that made a really dramatic new entry, but also <clears throat> lists out all the key retail tenants so you can see their names and really be aware of who's actually occupying the building. So those elements really help highlight the retail mix and will bring a lot more engagement to the building. You do have screens, as you say, in towards the entrance and they almost kind of st- almost reverse step you up into the broader space, right? Right, right. So there's 10 screens in all. Two of them are positioned right towards the entry, and they're about two stories up. Uh, So you can start to see hints of this media experience from the exterior. As soon as you walk through the front door, it opens up and you get a hint of it with two large screens that have the same kind of content plane as the rest of the ceiling. And then you walk up through an escalator to get to the the first full story, and then it opens up to the atrium where you see the additional eight screens uh, throughout the atrium, which is kind of the big drama moment. So we're kind of building steps of reveal through it that open up to a very large impact. 
And when you when do you put actual messaging on these screens, or is it more kind of uh, more subtle branding? It's subtle in a way. It has all of the retailers that kind of go through a loop that shows where they are and um, what their name is and that kind of flows through the system. Um, there's not so much overt messaging like 20% off discount at store X today. Uh, we really avoided that kind of media there, but really show um, kind of through beautiful means uh, what the retail mix is, where they might be located, um, and really kind of using these screens as a, as a moment of awe and wonder <laughs> rather than direct advertising. It, it doesn't feel like a billboard. It feels like an artistic space that happens to have branding on it. Can anybody put any message on there? So a lot of times we have to design systems to also to have limitations uh, because if we don't, if we allow everything to be open and you can do anything with any system, then there's really no... Um, constraint and respect for the other media that might be playing on it. So no, we, we did not develop into this a way to put anything on the screens, even though I'm sure someone could figure out how to do that in the future. But really to when you have something that has a controlled look and aesthetic, you want to make sure that you create a mechanism that maintains that quality and maintains the usability and the functionality of the sign. If it became direct advertising, then it would diminish the other qualities that we're building into the system, that it's beautiful, that it has an aesthetic quality, that it really is part of the architecture and the experience of going to the building, that it's not a billboard flashing in my face. So we specifically did not add ways to uh, add uh, a wide variety of advertising media, but beautifully orchestrated branded moments that showcase the retailers and provide moments to have isolated moments where we show the, the products running in this kaleidoscopic mode that I mentioned. I'd like to thank our sole sponsor, Mahler Digital Signage, for their patronage. It helps cover the costs and means the podcast can keep gathering more great interviews. Here's Mahler's Luis Villafane. Hi there, this is Luis from Mahler Digital Signage. You can find us at MahlerDSO.com. We plan, install, and manage digital signage networks for marketing projects, advertising, and retail. We don't sell PCs, we don't sell screens, we don't sell advertising or do physical installations. At Mahler Digital Signage, we offer an all-around consultancy service and project management that will help you find the best hardware and software solutions to deploy from scratch your digital signage network. We adapt to what your company needs, from small to large networks, with a direct support from our engineers within 20 minutes. So at Matter, we manage and design networks. We manage and design digital signage networks. That is it. Check out our website at www.mallardso.com. There always seems to be a battle where uh, somebody wants to purely monetize these screens and get a great return on investment. Did that battle occur in the in the planning of this no it didn't this developer really wanted to make an amazing experience for their customers and provide a new set of value for the building itself so we really focused on how to make the space look beautiful amazing and reposition it when we first got the assignment we didn't know we were putting led on the ceiling we looked at dynamic lighting on the columns or a variety of options 
and we landed on the solution that we implemented, but we looked at a variety of options, and a lot of those had nothing to do with monetizing the space through advertising. So the fact that we could do that with the screen and that we don't says a lot about this particular client and the, in, the environment that they wanted to create for their uh, the shopping experience at the mall, where it is a beautiful presentation that you know allows branding to happen, but is really about the aesthetics, about making a top-notch um, experience for, for people to visit and want to come back over and over. So let's talk about the the screens and the content. When you talk about a, a canopy of trees, is that the same tree that's being seen over and over across these, or is this one large canvas? It was designed as one large canvas. We don't really like things to repeat too often like that unless it was really intentional as a pattern. But we actually shot this with uh, two 8K cameras to really get enough pixels to stretch the entire uh, canvas from one end to the other, which is really impressive where it feels like one continuous motion uh, and things are happening. We actually shot the trees through all four seasons so that when you're there in the summer, it feels appropriate that they're summertime trees, but also through fall, winter, and spring, it responds and is scheduled to be the trees that are appropriate for the particular season outside. Also, you know, down to the detail of making sure those trees are local to Chicago trees. We wanted to get a species that was appropriate, not just shoot maple trees in Vermont, but trees that were really specific for the areas. Uh, as well as I mentioned a bird theme. There's flocks of birds that are algorithmically generated and that kind of fly throughout the space on the screen, which were actually the, the cedar waxwing, which is a local Chicago um, regional bird. Uh, so little touches like that make sure that we're being true uh, to the to the experience, to the, the location, that, and also providing little details like that where some people might even learn that that bird is the, the cedar waxwing and be able to tell people about it. There becomes a deeper story behind the experience, which we really like to try to weave into all types of projects, whether they be for malls or commercial office buildings or any kind of project to really get that deeper level of, of engagement, of, of depth to our content, uh, and to make sure that we're creating things that have durability, that are long-lasting, that are meaningful and locally relevant. And what about the content uh, requirements for this? You know, you put something like this in, it's a bold statement. It's got to be fed endlessly. What what kind of refresh are you doing in terms of, you know, like I know you're doing the the trees changing season, but outside of that, what's your refresh rate on the content? Right. Well, the 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 tenant content is changing frequently as far as new tenants coming in and then the, the ability to profile tenants. Um, it refreshes often and there's the marketing manager at the development that is in charge of that. Uh, a lot of our media, like the flocking birds, is algorithmically generated. It's a software-based media that always kind of does its thing in a different way and, and feeds itself. So we don't have to change it very often. The tree tops, like you mentioned, are seasonal. So it's going to feel different when you go every few months. Uh, Otherwise, you know, it's only been up for about three months now. We're really kind of getting a sense and, and kind of testing it out, seeing what it feels like to be there and how often it needs to change. 
uh, different projects have different requirements in that regard. Sometimes we never change media because it's always uh, being fed and, you know, it's evergreen in its approach, being fed by data and, and changing on its own. And other ones we have to change every six months. You know, I, I think in, an, in a, every year we might want to add things to it, but I'm hoping that it's more additive and seasonal and really focusing on, you know, doing a great Christmas show uh, for the holidays, uh, holiday-based media or focusing on different seasons, things that can add to the program rather than to figure out uh, a way to not have to change anything out wholesale. Can you tell me technology-wise what's going on? Sure. Uh, we have uh, each LED screen of the 10 that we've installed in the ceiling is made up of uh, 4 mil uh, LED, which is a pretty high resolution, not the, the highest of resolution, but most of the time you're seeing this from far away, so it looks really crisp at 4 mil, um, that are constructed and installed on truss work that is hanging from chain motors um, in the ceiling. So the entire structure, each one of these ceiling pieces can be lowered uh, for, for servicing and maintenance. Uh, it was quite an engineering feat that they came up with to design the system of hoisting these up and keeping them in place and perfectly aligned. But it works really well, and um, they're, they're performing excellently. If you could maybe describe to us what's happening behind the scenes. Sure. we working with our integrator and uh, the software and media production team. We've developed a kind of a custom-built rack that is you know, high-powered machines that are generating all of this content being pushed out to all 10 of these screens. Uh, we, we always create redundant systems to make sure that there's a good failover state in case anything unforeseen happens. Uh, and we develop a robust CMS content management system to be able to control all the media scheduling, how it's being played, and to make it really easy and user-friendly for the building management to be able to install, upload new content, and let it play as they anticipate it. What do you think about installations like this? What's it say about the retail experience or what landlords are willing to to do now? I mean, if you know, it used to be that this kind of experience, like at uh, the Cosmopolitan Hotel, which is a favorite of mine, was like such a big deal. Nobody was doing it, and it's not to say these are commonplace, but I mean, people are really starting to accept the fact that you can have ambient content in place and it's not a waste of money. What's that saying about where we're at with? you know, digital signage and the retail experience? Yeah, I think it says quite a few things. It's it's partly about where we are as a society and who we're trying to attract to the mall. Uh, people like environments that are alive and dynamic, and media is one way in which we can activate spaces and give them life and breadth uh, where, you know, traditional building materials couldn't. So <clears throat> it's really important for us to incorporate it. So I've heard recently someone say, if, if a space like this doesn't have media, if it doesn't feel alive, then people, the impression people get is that it's a dead space or it's something's not working. Uh, so we really like to see people activate spaces and really helps create a certain type of character, uh, especially in a lot of our projects, incorporating, you know, live data feeds, generative media, things that are always changing and evolving on their own is really exciting. And we like to see it in projects like this um, to, you know, attract 
you know, a wide range of audiences and generations. Uh, people that grew up with cell phones and social media really expect uh, a vibrant um, media life to the places that they go. And being able to Instagram something is really great. Being able to show your Instagram on a surface in a mall like this, for example, um, is even better. And we're seeing more places do that and get people engaged in, in many ways. So what did you guys learn from doing this project? Well, one of the things that we really uh, experimented with was putting the whole project in VR, in the design phase. Uh, large spaces like this are hard to understand um, and understand all the impacts that media or a variety of design elements that you're doing, how they fit into it. So we first fully modeled out the building and then put it into one VR package that was kind of rough but allowed us to really play around the space, understand the sight lines, take strolls on every floor and look at what the media was going to be perceived as to really understand what are the viewing angles? How do we make something that is exciting and interesting from 360 degrees since you could walk completely around the media experience? How do you stage content to be legible and readable from all sides and not just preference one viewing angle was really important. So we, we started in uh, the Unity game engine. We moved it over to the Unreal Engine and had a really fantastic uh, VR experience that you could walk through the whole thing and show the media playing in VR and really immerse yourselves in the world of this space to understand the design, not only in the design phases, but also in the media production phases. When we're actually making the media, testing every bit that we made in VR before we had to go on site to show it was really critical to the process. And this project was one that we could really test that out vigorously with and really, um, put it into our process for all projects moving forward. Um, another real important aspect of this project was developing what we call the showstopper mode. So every hour, uh, a special mode comes on where you can see hands come out on the screens and people actually playing the building. And there's a musical experience with this as well with all the, the speakers that were installed at the mall. So it's kind of an hourly chime, something that people can anticipate uh, and, and look forward to and maybe stay that extra 15 minutes at the mall waiting for that special moment to happen because it's exciting, like a parade at Disneyland. <laughs> so that's, I think, really important to you know, heighten the experience uh, and, and, and make special moments for people to really enjoy. Well, that's great. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Sure, no problem. That's all for this episode of 69 Projects. If you've seen a project in the wild and said to yourself, now that's cool, I'd love to hear about it and maybe feature it on an upcoming episode. You can reach me at michael at crowncontent.ca. This podcast is a companion to the 69 podcast, which talks to smart people doing interesting things in this business. It's also tied in with 169, which is the website to read if you really want to learn about the digital signage industry. You'll find that at 16-9.net. This podcast is produced by me in Toronto and is a product of Vertical Media Consulting Group, the massive media empire my buddy Dave Haynes runs out of his house down the highway in Burlington, Ontario. This podcast is sponsored by Mahler Digital Signage. Check them at mahlerdso.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Michael Tutton.